one to Dafyomi Nazir one week at a time. Uh, this is our sixth class, uh, and today we're going to be reviewing Daf 37 to 42. Um, okay, so let's begin. Uh, on Daf 37, uh, we had the idea, uh, and we saw this last week as well, uh, that if you took, uh, again, the Nazir is not allowed to eat bread that was soaked in wine. Uh, and from here, uh, we get to an interesting concept, which is the combination of a permitted item with a forbidden item. Uh, and that is called heter, which is permitted, and isur. Uh, and here it seems that they combine in order to give you the amount, what we would call in Hebrew, the shiur, uh, that would make you liable. Um, that's one option. That's the way we understood it last week. Another way to understand this is another concept, uh, and that is in Hebrew it's called ta'am ke'ikar, uh, which means the taste of forbidden food makes food forbidden, which means uh, that if you eat the bread that's soaked in uh, grapes or uh, grape juice, so then it's not only that uh, you have some grape juice with bread, it's that the bread now becomes uh, grape flavored, and that is problematic, right? And here the Gemara says, when you have this concept of ta'am ki'ikar, it's even when the actual food isn't there anymore. Um, and this is, uh, we'll see a, an example of this in a, in a minute, uh, where if, if let's say you cooked something together and then you removed the item, the flavor is still there and it is therefore still prohibited. Um, so here, uh, the Gemara tells us on Daf 37 that for the Nazir, it would be forbidden, and for any uh, prohibition, uh, it would also be uh, forbidden. The same thing with mixing two uh, species, which, which is called kilaim, where you're not allowed to eat that uh, new species, or orla. Orla is where you're not allowed to eat the produce of a fruit tree for the first three years of its life. So all of these things, um, even if you didn't eat the actual food, but the flavor or the taste from that food, it would still be uh, prohibited. So the Gemara continues, Rabbi Akiva says, I remember, and we, this is how we started, that bread is soaked in wine um, would be problematic. So it seems that there's an olive uh, volume, a kazait of the bread plus the wine, and therefore you are liable. Uh, and this teaches us, uh, again, the fact that, as, as we said in the beginning, the prohibited and the permitted combine together. In Hebrew, this is called tsiruf. Litzaref means to combine. Um, so they combine together um, to teach us that uh, these, this new food is prohibited. Um, another way, uh, another example of this is meat and milk, right? This is really a novelty uh, because 
each one of those things is okay by itself, right? Dairy is okay to eat. Meat is okay to eat. But if you cook the meat and the milk together, um, then then it becomes problematic. Um, or it's this concept is learned from another uh, source. The other source is uh, when it talks about in the desert, the Jewish people got uh, non-Jewish vessels. And the question was how they were going to purge these vessels from the non-kosher uh, food or, or flavor. And the Torah tells us that you have to put them in the fire to get rid of the non-kosher food. But here it's not really the food. There's no food in the pot anymore. It's the taste. Um, and the taste is what we say in, in, in Jewish law. In Hebrew, we say it's balua. It's, it's absorbed into the walls of the vessel. Uh, and therefore, you need to, to burn it out. Uh, and this shows, uh, again, the concept, as I mentioned, ta'am ki'ikar. The flavor of the non-kosher meat is there or non-kosher food is there. Therefore, we have to get rid of it. Um, and uh, therefore, um, you need to, they needed to uh, uh, kosher uh, or co make these pots kosher. Even though it's interesting, uh, just as an aside, uh, in terms of dietary laws, in terms of kashrut, um, if you have something, uh, a flavor from something non-kosher, and it's already after 24 hours, uh, this is called tam pagum. It's already spoiled, meaning food doesn't taste good after 24 hours in the walls of a pot. Um, and normally that would be um, okay in the sense that if you accidentally cooked in this pot that you haven't used in 24 hours, really it's okay. Um, but again, with these non-kosher vessels, you need to uh, kosher them. You need to make them kosher through fire. Um, okay. Um, the next thing we have is, um, ah, we, we were talking about, uh, the idea that, uh, not that, uh, prohibited and permitted food together, um, is problematic. So we said that we learn it from Nazir and we learn it from Chatat. We'll see this in a minute from the sin offering. Um, and these are two verses that teach us the same law. And um, we learned this a long time ago, uh, but if we only have two verses and not more and not less, we cannot extrapolate um, this law to another, uh, another case, um, right? If you have more than two, you could expand it. Um, so let's just see where is it with the sin offering with the khatat. If you have um, shlamim meat, uh, again, this is sacrificial meat that absorbed some fat from a sin offering. So, right, they were next to each other and it absorbed the flavor. So then you need to treat all the meat like the more stringent one, which is the sin offering, the khatat. Um, and from here we see, again, this is the idea of tsiruf, right? They combine together to create this new entity. Um, 
So uh, this is Rabbi Akiva's point that uh, you only learn it from these two things and not anything else. Uh, the sages, Rabbanan, say we don't learn it um, from Nazir. We only learn it from Chatat. And if that's the case, now we can expand it to other things as well. Um, okay, um, we said all forbidden produce for the Nazir can combine together um, and uh, and make it a a shiur a, a, a unit of measure uh, that will make the the nazir uh, liable even if it's eaten one right after the other meaning even if it's not eaten at the same time. Okay, um, daf thirty eight. Um, since we were talking about shiurim, again, shiurim are uh, units of measure that make a person liable for whatever transgression, whatever chet we are talking about. Um, so, Dav 28, since we mentioned rivi'it, rivi'it is the volume, uh, the liquid volume, generally of uh, something either forbidden or permitted. Um, so rivi'it, which is a quarter log. Um, so this rivi'it never combines with, uh, again, isur and heter, something permitted and something forbidden. It only combines in nazir, meaning this is a very unique situation. Um, and from here, uh, the Gemara tells us that there are 10 places where we see this measurement of a rivi'it. Five are about red liquids and five are about white liquids. What are we talking about? The five red, as you can imagine, think about what would be a red liquid that we would be talking about. So uh, we have here uh, wine for the nazir is a rivi'it. Um, we have the unit of measure, uh, the shiur, for the four cups of wine, right? Pesach is coming up soon, uh, first Purim, then Pesach. So for the four cups of wine, you need to drink at least a rivi'it. Um, if you drink at least a rivi'it of wine, you are not allowed to rule in halacha, in Jewish law, right? We see you as... Um, I guess not really intoxicated, because I would imagine it would take more than that, but, um, you know, not exactly in the straightest of minds. Um, the next is you can't go into the temple, into the Beit HaMikdash, if you drank a rivi'it. And a rivi'it of blood, right, these were all wine, so that was four wine, and the last one is about blood. Um, this amount of blood that comes out of either one or two corpses uh, will make you uh, impure to uh, a dead body, meaning to matmet. So those are the five red ones. What are the five white ones? So we're going to see white is, even though oil is not really white, but I guess in comparison to red it is. So we're going to have wine, we're going to have oil and water, right? So red was wine and blood. Five times we see the rivi'it uh, in white is a rivi'it of oil uh, in a dough makes it um, needing challah, right, to take off challah, that's sanctified. Um, 
you need a revit of oil in the sacrifice for the nazir. You need a revit of water for the sacrifice of the mitzorah, of the, the leper, the person with tzara'at. Um, and then um, if a person drinks a revit of impure liquid, he will become tameh. Uh, and this, of course, could be oil or water. And the last one is a revi'it of liquid that can't be carried on Shabbat. If you remember a long time ago uh, in Masechet Shabbat, we talked about carrying um, liquids out of your house. If you carry out a revi'it, uh, you are liable. The Gemara asks, wait, there aren't any more Revi'it cases, uh, the Gemara says, no, 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 there are other ones, but the other ones are a machloket, meaning not everybody agrees uh, about them. So one is that you can wash your hands. Um, two people can wash their hands together with a revi'it of water. Not everybody agrees with that. You might need a revi'it for each person. Um, and um, you need a revi'it of water um, to put into um, uh, right the the dirt that's put into the water to give to the sota, uh, the suspected adulteress, that also is a machloket. If you need a revi'it of water, um, and the last one is um, some say that if you want to purify a very small utensil, let's say a needle, um, you might be able to put it into a revi'it of water, uh, again, um, living water, ma'im chayim, um, so rainwater or the ocean water, um, but not everybody, we say that that's not the case. You actually need a full mikvah, even if it's a very small item, uh, so that would not be the case. Um, okay. Um, the, the Gemara continues on 38, that all of these prohibitions uh, seem to be one type, uh, but they're called two different things, right? So you have grapes and raisins. Uh, why are they called two different things? Uh, because you get punished for each one individually. Um, so two, let's say grape juice and grapes, uh, they each have uh, a punishment uh, that is separate. Uh, let's say you have se grape seeds and grape skins. Uh, you get actually three sets of lashes, uh, one for each of them, for the seeds and the skins. And the third one from uh, don't eat anything that comes from grapes. Uh, now, the Gemara questions this because if we have a general um, prohibition and then we have um, details or more specific things, uh, then it seems that you don't get an extra set of lashes for uh, the big thing as well. Uh, in in uh, Aramaic, this is called lav shebichlalot. A lav is a lotase, a prohibition. Shebichlalot uh, means a general statement, right? The question is, if there's a general statement, do you get punished for that? Uh, in addition to the specific things that you ate. And the Gemara gives examples of uh, how you can eat certain things and get five sets or six sets of lashes. Um, 
on Daf 39, uh, we actually have a machloket uh, if, um, right, what the word is, um, if zag means seeds, uh, and then chertsan means the skin or the opposite. Uh, nowadays in modern Hebrew, chertsan are the seeds. Uh, so it's interesting, I guess that comes from here. Um, okay, let's do the next Mishnah on Daf 39. Um, a, we, the truth is that we saw a lot of this, um, but then there are some things that are going to be new. Uh, so the Mishnah tells us a regular Nizirut uh, uh, process is 30 days, and if you shave your head or it is shaved for you, um, so then, before you finish, you lose all the days from beforehand, meaning you lose the 30 days, and you have to wait another 30 days in order to complete um, the process. Um, um, the, the Mishnah tells us it's prohibited to shave with a razor or scissors or even to pull out your hair even one hair when you are a nazir. Now we'll talk about afterwards, you actually have to use a razor, um, but if in the middle you used a razor or even scissors, um, that is problematic. So um, the Gemara explains, um, ah, so here, it's just a fascinating um, Gemara here on DAF 39. Uh, the Gemara says, since we're talking about hair, does hair grow from the root and every day a little bit more of the hair, you know, kind of comes out of the scalp? Or does the uh, tip of the hair elongate, right? How does your hair grow? Uh, which I think is just a fascinating question. Um, why are they asking this? So the Gemara says, right, if the person was shaved by bandits, right, somebody came and shaved their head. Um, so then your holy hair, right, the Nizirut hair, isn't there anymore because you cut it off. Uh, and then all the new part that grows is new hair. Uh, and therefore, you have to wait 30 more days. Um, but if it grows from the tip, so then what was there, whatever was left is still there. So the holy hair is still there as it grows out. Um, so now uh, the Gemara seems to, uh, I think there's a very clear way to know uh, how, the, how the hair grows, uh, but it's only going to be like the fourth answer of the Gemara. So you can all think about in your minds if you can think about the, the easy way to know how your hair grows. Uh, but first, the Gemara is going to go to lice. Uh, and the Gemara says, well, if you look at someone with lice, the lice is always at the scalp. So that means that it must grow from the, the tip, right? Because it's just growing here at the bottom. That's why the lice are always at the scalp. The Gemara says, no, the lice just walk closer to the scalp uh, because as the hair grows, they want to be closer to the scalp. So they stay there. Uh, the opposite is, right, the dead lice or the nits uh, in your hair. They grow out with your hair. This proves that the hair is growing from the roots. Um, 
the Gemara then tries again with, let's say, if you have a braid and you sleep in that braid and then it becomes loose as it grows. So maybe it, it grows from the roots. And then, of course, the Gemara says, we see very clearly that it grows from the roots for anybody who has ever dyed their hair, uh, right? It is clear that the dyed color, uh, you know, kind of inches its way down. That proves that your hair grows from the roots. Uh, interestingly, in the Gemara, uh, it seems to be talking about the men dyeing their hair. So that is just very interesting. Um, okay, the Gemara continues and says that if the hair can be bent and touch the base of of the uh, of the same hair, so then um, he the person doesn't lose all thirty days. Uh, the idea is that there's still, you know, a I don't know if the word is substantial amount, but there's still some hair left. So you don't lose all 30 days. Um, let's say the person was shaved um, after the 30 days, meaning the person completed all of their nizi root, and then he was shaved. So then you only have to wait seven days. Uh, this is learned from the impure nazir uh, who waits seven days and then can shave again. Uh, so that seems to be uh, the answer to that. Okay, from here the Gemara tells us that the verse says uh, you need to use a ta'ar. The word ta'ar in Hebrew means razor, uh, and therefore uh, you cannot cut your hair with a razor. Um, but um, you also, right, you also can't cut it with anything else. Right? Anything is prohibited, or the Gemara says, no, maybe only a razor is prohibited, but anything else is not, right? It, it's not good, but it's not necessarily prohibited. Um, so let's say, um, right, so we said that the last haircut at the end of the, of the 30 days must be done with a razor. Again, that's learned from the word ta'ar, from razor in the verse. Uh, and the Gemara says, no, it's not learned from that. It's learned from the Mitzorah. The Mitzorah is the leper, the person with Tzara'at. And um, the, uh, the leper at the end of his, uh, till he, when he gets better, uh, he then has to shave his entire body, uh, eyebrows included. Uh, and this is done with a razor. Uh, the Gemara Daf 40 says to us, wait a minute, you can't learn Nazir from the Mitzorah because the Mitzorah is very stringent and we can't learn, um, we can't learn uh, from something more stringent to something lenient because we can't say necessarily that they are compatible, right? As I mentioned before, the Mitzorah shaves their entire body, whereas the Nazir only shaves their head. Therefore, we can't learn one from the other. Spoiler that on the next daf, we are going to learn one from the other. But at this exact moment, we cannot do that. Okay. Reminder, everybody should drink tomorrow's a fast day. Um, okay. So um, the Gemara continues um, that we have a verse that teaches that you need to 
uh, shave with a razor. Uh, and here the Gemara continues and says that even if you remove one, one hair, um, you are also still liable for removing the hair. Um, if, so if you remove one hair, you're liable. And if you leave over two hairs, right? Let's say the person shaved their entire head, but they left over two hairs, that is not seen as completing the nizirut uh, uh, process uh, and cannot bring the sacrifices or cannot finish the process till the person cuts those last two hairs, uh, last two hairs. And if you shaved most of your head, so then um, you lose the 30 days as we mentioned in the beginning. Um, now, again, as we said, anything that pulls out hair is forbidden, um, or right, even if he pulls out uh, two hairs, maybe the person also loses those 30 days. Uh, from here, the Gemara discusses three people that shaved their heads. The Mitzorah, like we mentioned, the leper, the Nazir, and the Levi'im the Levites, this was a, a one-time occurrence in the desert when, um, we'll see in Sefer Vaikra, uh, when they inaugurated the Mishkan, the tabernacle. So the Levi'im were also inaugurated. Part of the inauguration process was they did a training for seven days, then they needed to shave, uh, and then they were actually uh, lifted up by Aharon. Um, so we see that these three people um, need to shave their heads. Um, so uh, as we mentioned, they need to shave it with a razor. Uh, so uh, again, we're going to try to learn one from the other, right? Nazir must be a razor, so too the Livi'im. But from where do we learn the Mitzorah, the leper? Uh, it can't be learned from the Livi'im, because that was a one-time occurrence, and it cannot be learned from Nazir, because both of these cases are unique. Rather, um, we're going to learn from both of them. This, in Gemara language, is called Hatsad Hashaveh, uh, the side that is equal. What does that mean? Uh, we have three things, um, right? And let's say, one is similar to one of them, and it's similar to another one of them, but these things are not necessarily similar, uh, and therefore we're going to say they're all uh, a little bit similar to each other, right? We're going to find, I, I guess we would call it like the common denominator, the tzad hashaveh between all of these things. So the Gemara says, what's the tzad hashaveh of these things? Both need to, right, the, the Levi'im and the Nazir, both need to be shaved and with a razor. Therefore, so too the Mitzorah needs to be shaved and with a razor. So that was a good Gemara uh, learning. Um, okay, so now the Gemara says, wait a minute, how could we learn a Mitzorah from Nazir? If you remember, five minutes ago, I told you we can't learn Nazir from Mitzorah because 
one is stringent and one is more is more lenient. So how are we learning one from the other now? Right? When we said at the beginning of the daf that we can't learn it. So the Gemara says, you're right. It's actually two separate opinions. The person who said that we can't learn it is different than the person over here who said that we can learn it. Um, okay, let's continue at the bottom of daf 40. We learned that we need to shave, um, again, uh, the, the head uh, from the fact that they also needed to shave their beard. Uh, now, if you, if you know Jewish law, uh, it says, uh, right, lo takifu pe'at roshechem, or pe'at zikanchem. Here we're talking about corners of your either head or your beard. Uh, this is what we call pe'ot, right? The, uh, what are they called? Locks, horror locks. I don't know what they're called uh, in English, right? The the peot. Uh, so we are not uh, men are not allowed to shave this area. Um, so you might think that the mitzorah also can't shave his beard. Maybe he can only shave his head and not his beard. So the Gemara says no. The verse says that they must shave both, meaning his head and his beard with a razor, right? This is something, if, if you know Jewish law, again, uh, men are not allowed to, Jewish men are not allowed to shave their beards with a razor. That comes from this verse. Uh, but you are allowed with uh, scissors, right? The idea is that scissors are not uh, as, as close shaving, uh, and therefore you're not really removing the hair, you're just trimming it. Uh, so that would be okay. Here in the case of the Mitzorah, uh, he does shave his beard with a razor. Um, the Gemara says, right, maybe the Mitzorah can use scissors. Uh, and the Gemara says, no, uh, the verse actually teaches specifically that you need to use a razor. Uh, we're now on Daf 41. Um, and it says that when we have a positive mitzvah and a negative mitzvah. This is called an ase and a lotase, right? If you can do both, so then great. Um, however, if they contradict each other, right? Where do we see that? With the mitzorah, right? The leper, it says at the end of his process, he needs to shave his beard, but it also says you're not allowed to shave your beard. So now we have two conflicting laws an ase, a, a positive one, and a lotase. Um, so what do we do? So again, another, wow, this, this, this class is a lot of like fundamental rules. Um, another fundamental rule is, uh, in Hebrew, it's, it's called ase, doche, lotase. If I have these two competing laws, the positive commandment trumps the negative commandment, right? So if the mitzorah, the leper, must shave his beard, but a man is not allowed to shave his beard, we say the positive commandment of shaving trumps the negative commandment of not shaving, right? And therefore, he needs to shave. Um, and he doesn't need to do it with scissors. He must do it with a razor. 
Um, we also learn that if a Nazir becomes a leper, a Mitzorah, so then he needs to shave his head with the razor, um, right? Even though, again, competing values, even though he's a Nazir and he's not allowed to shave his head, but because he's a Mitzorah and he needs to shave it at the end, he needs to shave it. Of course, then he restarts his count uh, and be, still be, is a Nazir. Um, okay, the sages use the word Rosho, his head, to teach that the leper, the Mitzorah, can shave even, again, the corners of his head, those are the Peot, and his beard, uh, right? And therefore it says also Zikano, right? That is uh, what we just learned. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer learns this concept of Ase Doche Lotase, of the positive trumping the negative from the mitzvah of Tzitzit, right? The four cornered garment. Uh, the verse says in the Torah that you're not allowed to wear shatnez. Shatnez is um, a, sorry, one second. Excuse me. Shatnez is a combination of wool and linen. Uh, and it says, you lo tilbash shatnez, you're not allowed to wear shatnez. And the next verse is, you need to make tzitzit. What do we learn from here? That tzitzit, which in general are, is a linen garment with wool, um, with wool fringes, um, right? So those fringes are shatnez. The Gemara says we learn from here that the ase, the positive mitzvah of making tzitzit, trumps the lotase of shatnez. Okay, um, now, daf 42, um, which is tomorrow's daf, um, says, if the nazir or the mitzorah or the Levi'im, right? These are the three people that need to shave their head. If they shave without a razor or they leave two hairs uh, on their heads, so then it's as if they didn't shave all. It's as if they didn't do anything. Uh, but in general, you should know that if you do the majority of something, we generally say that that's okay. Uh, again, the Hebrew term for that is rubo kikulo, right? The rove, the majority, is like the kol, like everything. Um, but in this case, uh, that is not enough. He has to literally shave every head, hair on his head. Uh, so too, if a nazir is impure, um, so then uh, the same rules apply. Um, if the nazir left two hairs, as we mentioned, now the hair grows back, right? Everything else grows back. And then he shaved only those two hairs. Does that work, says the Gemara? Uh, right, a very, I think, creative case. Or another case, let's say you left two hairs and then you didn't wait a long time. Let's say the next day you cut one of them and the other one fell out, right? Or vice versa, one fell out and then you cut it, right? What What's with this? So uh, the Gemara says that the first shaving doesn't count because you left those two hairs there. And then cutting one hair 
is also not called shaving because you need at least two hairs um, to, uh, you need to cut at least two hairs in order for it uh, to be considered shaving. Uh, so in both of these cases, it wouldn't work. You'd have to wait for the hair to grow back and then shave the entire head. Okay, now we're going to have a few Mishnayot. Um, this Mishnah says, a Nazir can wash their hair, right, with shampoo, um, and you can, like, separate the hair with your fingers, um, even though sometimes we know uh, that, you know, hair comes out, but that's unintentional. Um, but you're not allowed to brush your hair or comb it. That, for sure, hair will come out, so you're not allowed to do it. Um, the Gemara explains, this is because if you didn't intend to remove the hair, you are not liable. Uh, we saw this a lot in Masachat Shabbat. If you did not have the intent to do the action, then you are not liable. Uh, the next Mishnah says, you cannot shampoo with dirt. Uh, again, this seems crazy to us, but I'm assuming it's like an exfoliant, right, where you put something a little coarse uh, and you rub it in to kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, remove some dirt. So you're not allowed to do that because that will for sure remove the hair. Uh, the Gemara explains, maybe it's the type of dirt that you use. Um, it causes the hair to fall out or maybe because it's coarse. Uh, either way, you can't do it. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, okay, uh, so just first, before we read the Mishnah, uh, in order to get punished, with lashes, meaning if you transgressed uh, and you did something wrong, in order to get punished for it, uh, the person needs to be warned before they transgressed. Uh, the Hebrew term for this is hatra'a. Uh, hatra'a means that you were warned. If you weren't warned, then you're not allowed to get punished. Uh, because, you know, maybe you would have said, oh, if I would have known the punishment, I never would have done that. Um, So the case here is, um, yes, uh, Zohar asks if this is a general rule. It is, uh, and it's actually learnt from here, from Nazir. Um, so the Gemara tells us, and here's the case, uh, sorry, the Mishnah. If a Nazir drinks wine all day without anybody saying anything, or I guess someone said something in the beginning, but that's it. So then you're only punished once, even though you drank and drank and drank. But if they warn him every time he picks up the cup, they say, don't do it because you're going to get in trouble. So then the person is punished each time that he drinks. Um, and the Mishnah goes through uh, the same case with all three prohibitions, meaning, right, if you shave your head all day, I guess you shave different parts every hour. Uh, if nobody says anything, it's one punishment. If someone interrupts you and um, warns you each time, you get multiple punishments. So too with becoming impure, uh, the same idea. Um, okay, so the Gemara is now going to talk about becoming impure. Uh, and the Gemara uh, first tells us that uh, well, actually, this is like an introduction, um, that in order to become tamemet, uh, you, uh, to be impure, <laughs> so you can become impure by touching a corpse or by carrying it. And here, it doesn't mean like 
literally carrying it because obviously when you carry something, you're touching it. But let's say you put it in a knapsack and then you put the knapsack on your body. That's called carrying it, even though you're not um, directly touching it. Um, or the third way you can become impure is what's called tumat ohel. Uh, we've learned this many times that if you enter a room where there is a dead body, so anything in that room becomes impure. So now, uh, the Gemara teaches us that if a person becomes impure by touching or by carrying a corpse, and then they go into a room with a court, with a dead body. So then you're liable for two violations. One for touching and carrying. Those, that's one. Uh, those combine. And the other is ohel, right, which literally means a tent. Uh, that's a second violation. But if you touch a dead body and then you carry it, you're only liable for one. Uh, however, there's another opinion that says, no, uh, you are liable for two, even in that case. Um, so the Gemara proves that you can become impure after already being impure, uh, which means you would be liable twice. Um, or, right, there's, there's one case that that happens, but there's also a case where it doesn't happen. So uh, the Gemara gives another case, right? Let's say um, it's, right, so it seems that it's diff different, right? If a person is still touching a corpse, right? And then, um, and then somebody touched them, that's one case. Um, or if he let go, uh, that's another case. So if the person let go and then touches it again, so then that person raises their level of impurity and then you get, uh, you're liable for two because you like stopped and started. But if you were still holding on to it, so then you're only liable uh, one time. Um, and this is the concept of what's called in Hebrew tum'ah bechiburin, tum'ah where you are attached what does that mean, right? Uh, again, as we mentioned, if you're still holding it and you touch something else, or uh, we'll see another case in a minute. Um, so the Gemara says, wait a minute, isn't Tumabachiburin only for uh, touching sanctified meat, right, Kodshim, or Truma, right, again, which is given to the priest, uh, and not for Nazir or for Korban Pesach? Um, so here the, the Gemara explains the case, right? Let's say uh, Ruvain touches Shimon and Shimon is touching a dead body. So, right, they're all touching each other. So that's called Tum'ah Bechiburin because they're all attached. So Ruvain becomes impure for seven days and he can't eat sacrificial meat, but he can eat Korban Pesach um, and he isn't impure uh, for if he was a Nazir. So we see that there isn't this um, right, connectedness for Nazir. So the Gemara says, you're right. There's biblical and there's rabbinic. Uh, rabbinic, meaning dirabanan, if a person touches a person who touches a met, uh, a dead body, 
um, so then um, so then um, they are um, impure. But if a person just touches the dead body, that is deoraita from the Torah. Um, and here, uh, the last thing says, if a um, pure person enters a house, right, that's ohel, and then touches uh, a dead, uh, the, the uh, corpse, um, and then, uh, then there are two, um, there are two, um, 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 transgressions here, but let's say if you're in a field, you're only, uh, you've only transgressed once. So that's how we can construct the case with one or two. Okay, Zohar is asking a wonderful question, right? We did learn that there are different levels of tum'ah, of impurity. Um, but here, what we're asking is, um, even within the same level of tum'ah, um, are we, right, let's say, right, can you become impure and then become impure again, right? Definitely if you were a lower level and you moved up, for sure. But let's say you touched a dead body and then you touched another dead body, right? Those are both tumat uh, av, right? You're touching the dead body. Um, do we say that you get punished twice or not? That's what we're discussing here, um, especially when we're dealing with um, a nazir who is going to, again, for most people, this really isn't relevant because you're not real. You're not punished for becoming impure. There are um, consequences, but there's no punishment. Meaning uh, that's the way of life. But there are certain people who are not allowed to become impure, and that's what we're talking about here, right? If you would become um, impure numerous times, um, do you get? Uh, more punished, right? Uh, another punishment. That's what uh, this uh, this Gemara was talking about. Um, so uh, thank you very much. Those were uh, short dapim, and I didn't do seven. I did six. Uh, so next week we will uh, we will finish. Uh, right, we'll do all of those dapim. Um, so I want to wish everyone a Purim Sameach. Uh, first, have a meaningful fast tomorrow on Tanit Esther uh, and have a wonderful uh, Purim on Tuesday. And for any of you that live in Yerushalayim, uh, you should have a wonderful Purim on Wednesday. Uh, as we learned in Masechet Megillah, uh, right, my mother-in-law here uh, is going to celebrate on Wednesday. As we learned in Masechet Megillah, uh, you are uh, going to be... Uh, uh, celebrating on a different day. Uh, so uh, really wishing everyone a wonderful, wonderful uh, Chag and see you next week. Thank you, Rabbi. Bye-bye.